the Lord. Let's take our seats. Thank you, Gary, musicians, singers. The Lord bless you. Richard, you were going like a good one tonight there. Good drumming tonight. The Lord bless us all. Turn with me, please. Let the children slip out. Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. We have covered a lot of ground. And even what we have covered, really, we could go in depth and week after week after week. This is the tenth week. Bless the Lord. Revelation chapter 16, beginning to read at verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven Every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blaspheme God because of the plague of the heel, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. We'll stop there. We know that the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Keep your Bibles open, though, for we'll be reading through the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, take your own word tonight now and inscribe it in our hearts, we pray. Print it upon our minds, Lord. We ask you that you would Open us up to the word of God, Lord, that you would have your way in our lives and cause us to know the days in which we are living in, that we may be up and doing for the name of the Lord and for your kingdom and for your glory. And Lord, if there's one that knows not your son as Savior, Lord, that they would come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may be ready for the days that we're living in are the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So bless us, we pray tonight, Father. Open your word afresh and anew to every one of us. And may your Son be glorified in the midst of this house and in the hearts of this people. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12 reads like this. On the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now we have mentioned this quite a few times through the weeks, but let me just give you a brief recap for where we are, knowing the days in which we live in. 
Again, I've said that you need to know the days that you live in because these days are dangerous days. They are violent days. They are the days when the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is nigh even at the door. When we look around at the world and the nations, when we look at weather patterns, when we look at the money uh, banking collapse and the financial market collapsing, we know that Christ is near even at the door. When you go home, try reading Revelation chapter 17, 18 and 19. And the Lord shows us what happens to Babylon ecclesiastical. That is Babylon springing from Jesuit theology and the, the little horn of the west, which would be the papacy. And it shows you that what happens to it. And also with ecumenism, every apostate Protestantism, uh, all of the false religions of the world, all of those who know not Christ, in other words. And they're all brought together into one great ecumenical body. And you'll see what happens to that great Babylon or mystery religion incorporating them all. Chapter 18 and 19, you'll also see political Babylon falling, judgment upon the nations. And also you will read in that, you'll see her, uh, uh, all the riches of the world and the trading from all the kings of the earth. And you'll see how not only the riches and the politics, you'll see the, the banking collapse, you'll see it all. How the Lord is shaking the world and judging it before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I haven't time to read all of that, but that would take another 10 weeks to go through that. But you can read it when you go home. But here in Revelation 16 and verse 12, the sixth angel, notice the number of the angel. There's been five previous. This is the sixth. Pours out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Very important to notice that. And we're told that this that this river Euphrates will dry up sometime in the future. The river Euphrates has already been dried up in Daniel's day. The river Euphrates has dried up in other times throughout history, leaving just a trickle. And in our modern warfare, why must we wait for a sign of the drying up of the river Euphrates? Rather, we have said, how along, right around that fertile crescent, where old father Abraham came from, that fertile crescent was irrigated and land, the land the whole way around was populated by peoples. They lived near the rivers and they irrigated out to irrigate their fields. They had water for their cattle. They had water for their homes and for their families. And so they started to populate the whole area. By the time uh, we come to the end of what's known as the seven times punishment of the house of Judah... Now, I can't go into all that. If you have missed it, I apologize. You'll have to get a download it or you can get a CD of it. And the seven times punishment of the house of Judah, starting in 604 and then with Jerusalem being kept, taken captive, 606 BC, it brings us to the years 1914 AD and 1917 AD. Remember, the seven times punishment is seven times 360 makes 2,520. So when you take that number, it brings us to the year 1917, which was the liberation of Jerusalem from the Turkish Ottoman Empire, the Islamic Empire, or the Little Horn of the East. And we know that General Allenby flew his little bi-wing planes over in 1917 without a bomb being dropped, without a shot being fired. 12,000 Turkish soldiers were kept led captive and taken away as prisoners. And of course, they took over the city, that is the British forces and the Commonwealth troops, the Anzacs, that is the Australian New Zealand troops. 
And we're told that in that time, that that fulfilled Isaiah 31 and verse 5, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will pass over it. And we're told that the planes flew overhead as birds flying. So in that year 1917, the end of the captivity of Jerusalem, the end of the Ottoman Empire, from then, it's like you getting a bottle full of water. And as you start pouring it out, it globs out very, very slowly. But the more it comes out and the more air goes in, the flow becomes faster. Now the Turks were starting to weaken over in the east. And by the time 1917 came, they started losing rapidly. In fact, inside seven years, inside seven years, the whole of the river Euphrates, the whole of where the, 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 the Iran would be today, Persia and Iraq, the ruled right the whole way around. It had all dried up. They had lost all of that land and all of the occupation of it right the whole way around by 1924. But it was 1917 when Allenby liberated Jerusalem at the end of the seven times punishment of the house of Judah. Remember, the house of Israel is a different punishment. Now listen to this. We have showed you this last week. In 1917, we are told when the great river Euphrates dries up, just explained it, in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12 tells us, that the waters thereof were dry, was dried up, notice that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now to you and I in the western nations, everywhere else is east. But when you go to the river Euphrates and you go east of the Euphrates and past where the Ottoman Empire was, you start heading in to China, Mongolia, right out to Korea and all around that area. The way of the kings of the east or the way of the kings of the rising of the sun. That's the way it reads in the original Greek. For those who come from the rising of the sun. So there was going to be a rising there. In 1917, at the end of Judah's seven times punishment, Jerusalem is liberated. And yet, in the same year, the devil starts to stare. These spirits, like devils, are starting to move around the peoples of the earth and starting to gather them together. For example, the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, it sprang up and uh, Russia became uh, the Soviet Union, taking in some 15 republics. So there was war and turmoil in Russia going eastward, taking up Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, and all of those Stan countries. Then there was a, a, a leader from China called Mao Zedong. He was there in 1917 in Russia. He took on this Marxist ideology, took communism, and brought it to China in the east. China then had war over this. The Chinese nationalists fought against it, but they lost Many of them fleeing to Taiwan, hence the, the problems of Taiwan even to this very day. The kings of the east are being prepared. China starts and it becomes a Soviet republic then. So there's war in Russia. There's war in China. And China today only has one political party, by the way. In other words, so there's, they've got the monopoly. And it is known as the Communist Party of China. Also in 1917... 
There was a young woman called Alexandra Kim, and she took the communist ideology to Korea. And Korea started to have a war there in 1950 because it took years to gather strength. And the communists, they arose up stronger and stronger until they wanted a full communist country in Korea. We're told that in 1950, they had the Korean War and the north of Korea after the Korean War is still communist today. And you know it's a real thorn in the side of the West and South Korea is backed by the United States to this very day. So the rising of the kings of the East happens to just all start to turn around and become great in the land, become warlike, become counted, as it were, in the land after 1917. So there's war in Korea, war in Russia, war in China. Laos, there became war in the East. And Laos, and in 1975, it became communist. Then there was war in Vietnam. We've all heard of the Vietnamese War. And in 1976, it eventually became totally communist. So here the kings of the East are all rising up with their communist ideology. Coming closer to home, in Portugal, the three shepherd children, poor, the three poor little shepherd children, saw what they, they proclaimed to have seen was a, a lying spirit manifestation of the Virgin Mary telling her to, to, to uh, consecrate the whole of Russia and even with Pope Pius saying he was consecrating the whole world, the whole world to the immaculate heart of Mary. Here we have again another rising of the spirits of devils. Out of that came the world apostolate of Fatima by a, by a, a, a priest called, uh, I've lost his name, you'll have to forgive me, I can't remember them all. But the priest, he, he, he started the world apostolate of Fatima and the priest, when he started this up, he had uh, what's known as the Blue Army of Mary. And we showed you that the Blue Army of Mary loans their banner to the European Union, which is the blue background on the flag of the European Union today. You see them rising up after 1917. So let's read Revelation 16, please, in verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. The dragon is the communist. We've talked about Russia and all around that. And of course the beast is Romanism and the European Union, apostate Protestantism and all of those false religions that would be latching onto that. And the false prophet is Islam, Muhammad, the false prophet. Notice what it says in verse 14. For they are the spirits of devils. See the word spirits of devils? You know why some Greek manuscripts read? They are dirty devils disgusting devils. That's the way it reads sometimes. It's a real strong word. The spirits of dirty devils. The spirits of disgusting devils. Notice that. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth, notice, unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now notice this, notice this, there is a warning coming here in verse 15. The nations are being gathered together, these spirits of dirty devils. 
They are gathering together men and women. It goes farther than a church system. It goes into governments. It goes into the banking system. It covers the whole earth. It turns people's minds from the gospel. They don't want the things of Christ in the government. They don't want the laws of God. They don't want anything to do with anything with the Lord Jesus Christ at all. They cast it out. They turn it away. And at that, they also bring out false religions and gather together on their false guises of worship. They're, they're in the government here in Ulster. They're in the government in Downing Street. They're in the banks. When I say the banks, now don't go to the wee bank teller, please, and say, do you know that you're working with, for the spirits of devils? That's not what I'm speaking of now. They're in the high, high bankers, the Rothschilds, Goldman Sachs, and the Bilderbergers, all of them spirits of devils, and they're working miracles in the earth. In other words, they're playing with men's lives, showing them great and mighty things and causing wars. In other words, causing wars to gain their riches. They make people slaves unto themselves. And here we have them working even in the background. You're, you're hearing of all of these things in the television and on your news bulletins and no one realizes what really is happening in the earth. And the people are, are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Here we have these unclean spirits and they're like frogs. They become numerous and they go to the kings of the earth. Now the earth would have been the known Roman earth at the time. Or where the kingdoms would have been for Babylon, remember, the head of gold of Medo-Persia. And Greece, Alexander's kingdom. And then came the Roman Empire. And then of course the European Union and the ten toes made of iron and clay where we are this very evening. This is important that you know the days that you're living in. So there is of the whole earth, or the Roman earth, and the whole world. In other words, the word worlder is a Greek word, oikoumenia, mena, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a real hard word to pronounce. But that word gives the idea of the whole globe. They're working together, together, men to fight one with another for a mighty war and a mighty battle around the whole Globe. Now here's a warning for every single one of us, for every Christian and non-Christian alike. Verse 15, the Lord Jesus says, Behold, I come as a thief. Notice that, behold, I come as a thief. Now because he says, behold, I come as a thief, does not mean he's coming with a secret rapture. It does not mean that. It means that he is coming and you don't know the day, and you don't know the hour in which he is coming, so you better be ready. That's what it means. He says, behold, I come as a thief. There's a word of warning there. The word behold means, now looky here. I want to take you, he says, and shout into your face. I'm coming. There's a word of warning, and it's a war cry. I'm coming. With these nations gathering together, I'm not coming as a lamb, but I'm coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So here is a war cry. Behold, I come as a thief. Notice what he says. Blessed is he, that man that is, that woman. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. 
Notice what the Lord's saying. I'm coming in a day and in an hour that you do not know. And you who are professing the name of Christ and you're playing with the things of God. And you who are saying you belong to Christ and you're neither here nor there. You're one foot in the world and you have one foot in the church. You're with Christ one minute and you're backslidden the next. You don't have any idea nor notion of serving Christ, loving him and having him within your being. And he says, you listen to me, he says, I'm coming in a den and hour that you're not ready. And Christian, who is professing me, he's not coming here for a backslider. He's coming for an overcomer. He's looking for those who are watching, who are waiting, who are wearing their robes and keeping them white, unspotted from the world. And the Christians are so lethargic and lackadaisical and lazy and wayward and cold in heart and money orientated that Christ is nowhere near the top of their list, first and number one in their life. Christ says, behold I come. The garments here he speaks of Gives the idea of the temple guard. Some of the guards at night would have took the rope off and rolled it up and lay and slept while they were on watch or on duty. And while they watched them were on duty, the sergeant came walking around. And as he came walking around, he looked at them and he got them up in front of all the other guards. And it was a deep shame and a deep disgrace that they would see him for he would strip him naked. And say, this is the man who was sleeping on his post. This is the man who was sleeping on duty. This is the man who was not being a watchman to guard the city or the temple. And he would be standing in his nakedness. It's the idea. Jesus says to you, Christian, tonight, I'm coming. Don't let me find you naked. For if you're backslidden and I come to you like that, If you're playing and messing about and I come to you like that. He says, oh, you're my child. He says, and I love you, but you'll stand in your shame. Am I speaking to a Christian who's playing with the world? Am I speaking to a Christian who's like the world? Am I speaking to a Christian? When people look at you, they don't know whether you're a Christian or not. He says, behold, I come. Get ready. While these things are happening, the nations are gathering together. You can see it all around us. The Arab Spring, the Muslim Brotherhood rising. The Muslim Brotherhood are going to try and throw out the new uh, president of Ethiopia next. You know why? Because they want to radicalize the whole of the Arab nations. We see it all happening all around us and the patchwork quilt. See this peace thing between Gaza and the Israelis? That's a lot of nonsense. There'll never be peace till Christ returns. Never be peace till Christ returns. It's a bit of a plaster on it at the moment, a sticking plaster just to try and get them over a period. Christ is returning. Now, While these things are happening and we look and see the world all around us, while they're taking place, while we see the nations gathering together into groups and into confederacies and allegiance one with another, while as Jesus said, men's hearts would be failing them for fear, 
for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. And while there is saber rattling and uprisings and violent protests, and with again, as the master says in Matthew 24, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. He says, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers or various places. He says, this is what is going to happen before I return. And while we're watching it, while we're looking at it, and we're getting on as though it's not happening, and the church is lying down and sleeping and snoozing, while all of these things are happening, while all this is going on all around us and all over the world, the governments do not know what to do. The leaders of the world are at a loss as to what to do. How to fix it? It's gone too far. There's no hope of peace and security. It's way past their finding out. The world is just as it was described by the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. He says there would be distress of nations with perplexity. Distress of nations with perplexity. The word perplexity is the word aporia. And the word aporia means the distress of nations and they will be at a loss, at a loss, so as what to do. It gives the idea there will be a distress of nations and the nations will be at a loss to be in a state of quandary. It gives the idea the nations will have no way out. It's like going up into a cul-de-sac and you can't get out. And the world has gotten to a place where there's no way out. Society has no way out. The world has no way out. The leaders have no way out. There may not be a way out, but there's coming a way up. When Christ returns, he will call away his bride. And he will change us in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And we will return in Christ. He will give the world the way out and he will sort it out when he comes to rule and reign in Jerusalem from his throne. While all of this has gone on, the stress of nations with perplexity, while Armageddon looms, climaxes and then closes with the culmination of the battle of that great day of God Almighty as described in Revelation 16 and 16, as it says, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. While the nations and the armies and the military might of this world gather and men are afraid and terrified and they're consumed by all the things that are going on and they're looking at it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to me tonight. The redeemed saint has this confidence in three words spoken by our Lord. He says, Behold, I come! That's your confidence. That when you're serving Christ and loving him, that he is coming. He will break the skies. The skies will roll back like a scroll. And Christ will be manifest to the whole wide world. Behold, I come, he says. He's coming. The king of kings, he is coming. Listen to what Paul says, Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. We are looking for that blessed hope. While men are looking and their hearts are failing and for fear for the things that are coming on the earth, this is where you should be Christian. This is what you should be looking at when you see the news bulletins. This is the way your heart should be. You should be rejoicing. Looking for that blessed hope. 
and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See the appearing here. The appearing isn't that we're going to go woof up into the air and nobody knows us. That's fantasy. Furry tales. The word appearing here is the word epiphania. And we are looking. Now if we're already caught up in a secret rapture, what do we need to look for? We're already there. We're looking for the epiphania. The word epiphania means the manifestation of Christ in the sky. Him coming in his glory with power and in all his brightness and majesty. That's what we're looking for. People are looking around the world. Oh, look what's happening to this nation and to that nation. That's good. We need to know the days we're living in. But I am looking at that and I'm saying, Lord, you're coming soon. Praise God and hallelujah. Jesus is coming. But are you ready? Revelation 16 and 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. That's what Jesus says. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In Luke chapter 21, verses 26, 27, and 28, we've already mentioned how men would be looking after those things that are coming on the earth. Verse 27 says, And then, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus coming in the clouds. Can you imagine that? That blows my mind. Lord, what's that going to be like? The the heavens will be filled. Every part of the heavens. You think if you see an airplane away in the distance flying across and you can hardly see it like a little dot. The whole of the heavens are going to be filled with great light and splendor and majesty and with power. And there's going to be myriads and myriads of millions and millions upon millions of millions of angels. And our Lord Jesus Christ standing glorified in the midst of them all. Christ is coming. He's coming. He's coming in power and great glory. He's coming like will o' the wisp, not at all. He's coming in power. The word power is the word dunamis. It's where you get your word dynamite. Christ will open the skies and the earth will feel the power of the dynamite of God. The dynamite will fill the very heavens and will shake the very earth and will charge the very air. I'm near ready to get ruptured now, so I'm near getting caught up. <laughs> You're getting Pentecostal on you there, so it was. Can you see him? Oh, see when you love him. See when you love him. He's just your heart goes, your heart races when you love him. Say, Lord, I love you. And I need you, Lord, will you come today? Oh, he's a great saviour. He's a wonderful Lord. Verse 28. And when these things begin to come come to pass, then look down on the ground and be afraid, not the tall Christian. Then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption doth nigh. Bless his holy name. 
Listen to the words of D.W. Whittle in the old hymn. I've picked two of the courses or the verses of it. Jesus is coming, saying the glad word. Coming for those he redeemed by his blood. Coming to reign as glorified Lord. And Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming. The dead shall arise. Loved ones shall meet in a joyful surprise. Caught up together to him in the skies. Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, I'm going to see my mommy. Revelation chapter 16. Let's read it, verse 17. Thank you for your attention, it's tremendous. Verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven. And from the throne saying, it is done. Now here's something I want you to notice. Number six, the sixth angel was the earth, the vial poured out upon the river Euphrates. Six is the number of man in scripture. Here is the seventh angel and he pours his vial out, not on the river, but here into the air. These are all obviously symbolic of an angel pouring out a vial. The number seven in scripture, it's, it stands for God's perfection. It's his perfect number. For example, there are six days of creation and he rested on the seventh. Perfect, it's done. For another example, there are 6,000 years from Adam till now, six millennium, and when Christ returns will be the seventh, the perfect millennium. And there will be a rest for the earth from all its troubles and its woes. There are six days to labor in our week and the seventh is the Lord's day or the Sabbath. It is the seventh day, the day of rest. In Revelation chapters 2 and chapters 3, there are seven churches mentioned and they span seven church ages from the day of Pentecost right the whole way to the second coming of Christ. And there are signs and tokens there that happen throughout the church age. For example, the first church is the church of Ephesus and the seventh and the last church is the church of the Laodiceans. And it's that church, the church of the Laodiceans, where Christ is returning at. The Laodicean church. In the Laodicean church, it was the church that said that we are increased with goods and of need of nothing. But the Lord says, and thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. If the big denominations and the, the state churches and the church of Rome sold their wealth, they could cure half the world's poverty, if not at all. And they're saying, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. And Christ says, but spiritually, you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I trust there's none like that here, for he's coming. The seventh church is the perfection of the church age. And at the seventh church, Christ returns. For Christ says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will open the door. I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. That's to the believers. That's to the church. 
And the seventh church age is the age when Christ returns. You know what age you're living in? Do you know the days you're living in? The church of the Laodicean age. I aren't neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm. And I will spew thee out of my mouth, he says. The church that makes the Lord sick. In Revelation 15 and verse 1, speaks of seven angels having seven last, notice, last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. In them is filled up the wrath of God. And the plagues start to where we are at this last plague. You know the days you're living in? If the sixth angel was the Ottoman Empire almost a hundred years ago, and the kings of the east are now risen, and the three devil spirits, the devils, uh, uh, three spirits like frogs, have already gone out into the earth, then where are we? We must be living on the cusp of the seventh angel with the seventh file at the last day when it will be poured out upon the earth and there's going to be World War III. That's the days you're living in. But are you ready? The day of grace is nearly over. And the wrath of God will soon be poured out. See the word wrath is filled up with the wrath of God. It's a Greek word thumos. And thumos gives the idea of someone holding in. Do you ever get, you know, you muse in your heart and the fire burns and you start, and actually in one term gives the idea of a snorting horse. It's like the wrath of God. That's the way it gives it. God's a big Santa up there with a big beard and he's sitting there, big cuddly fat Santa sitting up there, jolly ho, ho, ho. That's what people think. That is not our Lord. You see, he poured his wrath upon his son at Calvary. And if you come under the blood, the wrath of God will not abide on you. But if you're not under the blood, then the wrath of God abideth on you. And it's a t- it gives the idea of a dam that's holding back the water and the cracks start to appear in the dam. Then one day, when it's unexpected, the dam breaks and the waters pour forth and take them all away. The Lord is sitting in the heavens and he's holding back his wrath because he's merciful, because he's gracious, because he's loving and because he's kind and he's calling in his elect. And then there's going to be a day when the dam will break forth and all that are outside of Christ will go under the wrath of God. He's, that's the way it gives the idea. And he's waiting to pour out his wrath. The only thing that's keeping him is love for you. His love for you. His love is holding back his wrath. I'm going to bust a blood vessel. I'm going to have to take it easy here. Push it there. Thank you for your attention. It's tremendous. Hold on, I get a drink. Revelation 16 and 19 speaks of what God gave unto her, that's Babylon, the cup of the wine of the fierceness. Notice, notice the word, the fierceness of his wrath. Don't you think if you're outside of Christ and you were to die tonight, and God forbid, but if you were to die tonight and stand before the Lord, that you're going to be all hunky-dory and happy, you weren't a bad guy, you will stand and you will come under the fierceness of his wrath. We don't really pussyfoot about in here, sure we don't really. 
Revelation 16, the seventh angel cries something. Look, he says, cries, it is done. It is done. You know what it's done means? That's it, final. It's accomplished. That's it. That's it. What if God said tonight, that's it. That's it for you. I'm finished. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. For he may say, that's it. The angel cries, it is done. It's all finished. It's over. Look, there are seven perfect sayings from the cross of Christ that represent this term, it is done. The first one is the word of forgiveness from the cross. Luke chapter, seven, Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Jesus cried, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. The second word is the word of salvation. Luke 23 and 43. Rememberest thou me when thou comest into thy kingdom, said the thief. And the Lord says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. There's another saying. The third saying is a word of affection. John 19, 25 and 26. When he looks at his mother from a, from a cross and bleeding, dying in agony, he says, woman, behold thy son. And he says, son to John, behold thy mother. The word of affection. Fourthly, there's the word of anguish. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. Christ hanging on the cross cries, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken that you would not be. Then there's the word of suffering when Jesus cried in John 19 and 28, I thirst. Then there's the word of victory. In John 19 and verse 30, he cries, it is finished. In other words, the debt has been paid. If you come to Christ, your sins are forgiven. You'll be blood washed from here to eternity. And Christ has paid it all. Everything he has paid it all. It's once and for all. It is done, cries the angel. It is finished, cried Christ. That was the sixth cry from the cross. And the seventh was this. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And that seventh one was the word of rest. He rested on the seventh. Perfectly accomplished by a perfect saviour better hurry up the battle of that great day of God almighty starts according to Revelation chapter 16 and it speaks of it being global the whole world it being aerial poured out into the air and it speaks of being nuclear well we we only know the nuclear is the greatest weapon at this time it could be something else do you know they've got impulse weapons now where sonic booms are sent and destroy things, knock out electricity, supply lines. They're even trying to work with moving the weather around and chemtrails and so forth in the skies. All different sort of weapons, but all that we know is the nuclear is the, the most strongest weapon, the most powerful weapon that we have. This war is so great, the name Armageddon means hell of Megiddo, but it also means a mountain of slaughter. A mountain of slaughter. Revelation 16 and 21, this verse shows that God is justified in all his ways. This verse shows that the unregenerate, the depraved nature and heart of man 
For man follows after and is led by and blinded by demonic spirits, become God-hating, gospel-rejecting, and Christ-denying humanity will see and come under the plague of hell that is found in Revelation chapter 17. The great plague of hell. Do you realize it was from the 1917, uh, round about that area, when the planes were being used for the first time in the World War? And then in the Second World War, they advanced and so on, right up till today. They have stealth fighters, they have, they have, they have Apache attack helicopters, but they have rockets, they have missiles that can fly like hail all over the world. And there's a great hail fell out of the heavens. You know the days you're living in. That's the days you're living in. It's the days you're living in. And the church are playing playing with God and the things of God and people are denying God and won't come to Christ for salvation. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and came a great hail out of heaven and from the throne. Ezekiel chapter 38. I'm going to close with this. So give me an hour five, maybe ten minutes. I'll try five, but you know me. Go to Ezekiel, please. Chapter 38. The nations are gathering together. And as the nations are gathering together, I'll just jump, jump across a few verses here and tell you what the Bible says. And you can see the allegiances as they line up together. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Gog, Magog, Meshach, Tubal, north of, the, north of Palestine or the land of Israel is Russia and Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, that whole area where the USSR was. They will come against the land of Israel initially. Notice what it says. Let your eyes run down to verse 5. Persia, that's Iran, Iraq area. Persia, Ethiopia, that's black Africa. And Libya, the whole of the top of, of Arab Africa with them and all with shield and helmet Gomer and all his bands this is probably yes, some say Germany some say Ukraine we're not 100% sure but around that area and all his bands in the house of Tagarma which is Turkey the old Ottoman Empire of the north quarters and all his bands that's Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan all of the Stan countries that are Turkish in origin and to Garma, out of the north quarters, all his bands and many people with thee. There's the rising also of the kings of the east. This is the battle that we're talking about, the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Verse, verse 9, Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, and thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Let your eye run down to verse 13 for time's sake. Sheba and Dedan. We reckon, we reckon that this is maybe around the, the very bottom of the Gulf Coast. Sheba and Dedan. <clears throat> and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Remember we talked about the lion over his prey. Isaiah 31 and verse 4. Being, being uh, the lion, the symbol of Britain. The merchants of Tarshish, the great naval fleet, is, is believed to be uh, Great Britain with... Uh, the, the, the great naval fleet, the Americans, of course, the United States coming with them, and the, all the young lions are the Commonwealth nations. 
All the young lands thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hath thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take away a great spoil? Notice, those are the nations that are gathering together, even unifying at this moment as we speak. Those are the nations that even stand one with the other. Zechariah chapter 14, please. Zechariah chapter 14. I'll try and finish this part tonight then. Zechariah 14 and verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations together against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he did, as when he fought in the day of battle. Here are nations gathering together. Notice what it says next. And his feet was sang it, Behold, he comes riding on a cloud, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a great valley, and half the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. When Christ returns, there's going to be a massive earthquake. His feet will land upon the Mount of Olives, the mount which he left. The angels standing before the disciples said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall, show, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Zechariah says, He shall come out of the heavens. His feet will land upon the Mount of Olives and there will be an earthquake right down to the Horn of Africa. How do we know? Because that's where the fault line is. These men in the Bible wouldn't have known that, but God knew it. And he will come. And there will be devastation, but he will set up his marvelous, wonderful kingdom. I finish with this. Revelation 1 and verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Remember where we were at the start, Daniel 2, the man with the head of gold and the arms and chest of silver and the belly of thighs of brass and the legs of iron and the feet part iron and part clay reaching right into the European Union. See those feet that are part iron and part clay? That's where we are now. They're stamping down the people. They're tramping upon the people with all the decisions that they're making. They're taking our British Parliament and it's like they put their hand in and they've just rubbished it all upside down and pulled it out and gutted it. We're like a gutted fish with no guts, friend. That's what our parliament's like. It's like, a, it's like a city council building. The mother of parliaments has become like a city council building because of the beast of Europe. But Christ is coming. We may be at the feet of this beast of Europe, but soon his feet will come and stand upon the Mount of Olives and we will see him. God bless his word to us. Know the days you're living in. He's coming. Are you ready? Christian, no messing about. Get up and doing for Christ. May he be glorified in all things. Thank you for your attention. It's tremendous. It's powerful. Will I do another week? Just one another week? Okay.
We'll do another week. We'll see how the Lord leads me. We'll do another one. You may pray for me because we're getting closer. We're <clears throat> running out of time. No, Norby. Gary, come on up and lead for us. Bless the Lord. See, if you're not saved, you need to get ready. You need to be ready for Christ's return.